like you're having some great conversations, let's just put those on pause. You can carry them on after the service. Um, and yeah, but it's nice to meet you. If I've not met you yet, I'm Kathy. I'm the curate here, which is like trainee vicar, basically. Um, mini Phil. I look less like me. I look less like you than Jeff does, but yeah. Um, there we go. I maybe shouldn't have given myself that nickname. Um, <laughs> um, but I am mini. I mean, I can't even reach the ground <laughs> from this door. Um, yes, I am on a chair. My center of gravity is quite far forward these days, so my back hurts. So um, that's why I'm on the chair. Um, Welcome to you if you're listening online, whether that's uh, through the podcast or on the live stream. Hello, great to see you. Well, I can't see you, but you know what I mean. <laughs> um, today, we're going to be uh, talking about righteousness from Proverbs, um, but I just want to make a disclaimer that um, I claim none of the violence that may erupt in the next few minutes. If you guys start fighting in the aisles, I'm, it's not my fault. You'll see what I mean in a minute. <laughs> um, I've got some pictures, and I just want you to shout out what the names of these things are. So if we could get the first couple up, please. So then the next, next one, there we go. Right, if there's like a load of people in like a playground piled on top of each other like that, what is that called? Pylon, thank you very much. There's no bundles here. No, bundle, pylon, any others? So just bundle and pile on, but clearly some, some passion behind those differences. Great. Next. Right, what's the right way? Cornish. Any... <laughs> yeah. Anyone listening online, there are some fisticuffs happening right now. <laughs> obviously, the Cornish way is the right way, obviously. <laughs> booze. Actual booze. Oh, my word. <laughs> And the next one, please. <laughs> What's this? A bap? A cob? A roll? A bun? Yeah. A balm? Bun? We said bun already. Roll. Um, and the next one. Well, we're all right for that last one, because look how many different things they are, except for those in East Anglia, because it's obviously not a tea cake, is it? There's no raisins in that. Scuffler as well. I think we can all agree it's not a scuffler. <laughs> but the point is, is that we all think that we are right about certain things and think that other people are really wrong. But there's one thing I think that we can all agree on. Can we have the next slide, please? That's obviously the wrong way to stack a dishwasher, isn't it? So obviously. Like, I mean, I feel like my husband needs a fine for that because it's so bad. <laughs> You think that as this is staged, it's not. <laughs> Let's just, how much better? Thank you, Aiden. There's a round of applause for how much better the way we've done it. So you can learn. And now that's there for him to remember whenever he's tempted to do the dishwasher. So yeah. But we all have times where we think we're right and the other people are wrong. Now all those things were obviously quite jokingy. Um, they're not of any consequence. But the problem is, is that sometimes there are things that we're really passionate about that can uh, descend into real genuine conflict, um, frustration, hatred of one another. Um, and we see that that has a really negative effect, not just on our personal relationships, but in the wider world. But the thing is, we don't want our goal in life to be right in our own eyes or right in the eyes of people who are like us. We want to inhabit the righteousness of God. 
We don't want to settle for cultural Christianity and, and cultural morals. We want, to, we want to be aiming for God's righteousness. And that is embodied by Jesus. If we don't try and live by that kind of righteousness, then I'd say that actually we end up failing in our walk as disciples. Because in John 13, 35, it says that this is how they will know you are my disciples, through your love for one another. And we can't take that for granted. When we think uh, in, in Proverbs, it puts it another way. It says in Proverbs 10, verse 12, hatred stirs up conflict, but love covers all wrongs. And Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of that. You know, he took on the world's sin. He took on hatred. He experienced hatred. But his love for us, for all of creation, and his ultimate act of sacrifice on the cross and his resurrection covered over all of that extreme hatred. As uh, Paul puts it in 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So not only are we um, able to have that relationship with God because of what he's done, but we get to become like him. And as a result, it can be world-changing. We can't do righteousness alone. We can't, um, we can't aim for perfection on our own. We can't even get salvation on our own. The whole point is that it's done through Jesus. But we also, when we want to be like Jesus, have to actually spend time with him. You know, there's a, <laughs> if we just uh, try to do what we think God wants based on uh, a cursory glance at scripture, if we do it based on... Um, just our own understanding rather than the wider understanding of the body of the saints um, and spending time with Jesus, the Holy Spirit, then we're, pro- we're going to get it wrong. We just are. And I think that's really evident by how uh, Jesus was treated. You know, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, they thought they were right. They thought they were preserving God's holiness and the scriptures, so much so that they killed Jesus for his truth, for the truth. Now, I hope that none of us would ever do anything to that extreme to anyone. But the point is is that in their own eyes, they thought they were right. They thought they were being godly. But ultimately, they were absent uh, to their relationship with God. But Jesus, on the other hand, he is the embodiment of righteousness. And he is the goal. And he has made it so that we can be more like him. And so to do that, we've got to be with Jesus so that we can become like Jesus and then we can do the kind of stuff that Jesus did. Or another way uh, to try and remember it is we need to be filled with him, formed by him and formed like him and then follow up on what he has taught us. How, how do we do that? We've done various series in the past um, about spiritual practices. I really encourage you to go back um, into our archive and look at things like that. Things through like, like prayer, scripture, worship, Sabbath, fasting, uh, solitude, community, 
service, generosity, hospitality, um, and then things that we've been talking about in the last few weeks, like accountability, discipline, um, humility. Uh, and um, there's a couple of resources that I really recommend if you want to be really digging that out again, or maybe it's new to you. So we've got Practicing the Way by John Mark Comer. There's a whole um, movement. They've got podcasts. They've got books. They've got YouTube videos. That's a great place. And then also um, there's a book by Lucy Pepiat uh, called The Disciple. That's also great. Um, and so I really recommend that you have a look at those. But why? Why does righteousness actually matter for us? Well, one, it gives us our relationship with God because we get true fulfillment when we are uh, having a relationship with God. In John 10.10, it says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come so that you may have life and live it to the full. So when we choose to not live God's way, to not live in God's righteousness, we're essentially actively choosing to let ourselves live um, uh, in a way that is filled with death um, and unfulfillment and destruction. But if we live in Jesus, we can have life and live it to the full. Now that life, um, it, it comes down to uh, two different ways. We have our eternal life and we have our earthly life and both are important. And both benefit not just us personally, but the whole of creation. And like I said earlier, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. When we're spending this time and living our lives fulfilled by Jesus, we are just automatically going to be more loving. And when we think about that eternal life, um, it's not just about life and death, it's not just about salvation, it's also about that eternal perspective, because sadly, too often the wicked do thrive in this life. Too often greed is what pays. Um, and so we have to have an eye on uh, the future, on a reminder that actually this isn't all there is to life. Um, it's not always going to be this way because ultimately God has defeated sin and death. But sometimes it feels like we're still on catch up from that, doesn't it? In Proverbs 10, verse 2, it says, Ill-gotten treasures have no lasting value, but righteousness delivers from death. In verse 9, whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but, whatever, uh, but whoever takes the crooked paths will be found out. Verse 16, the wages of the righteous is life, but the earnings of the wicked are sin and death. And then uh, if we look at John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, so that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. But on the flip side, in Revelation 21 verse 8, but the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, idolaters, and all liars, they will be cast to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Now, that sounds really brutal, doesn't it? But that's the contrast between when we, um, one, choose to live in God's righteousness versus when we choose to live in a sinful, earthly way. But it's also a reminder that, again, even though wickedness and greed and um, pain seems to pay off now, in the long run, it won't, because God has defeated this. 
In terms of our, um, our earthly life, um, righteousness, uh, as I said, it's not just about life after death, it's about life now. It's about life during life. Um, and why? Well, it's not just a personal formula for how we can be happy, although, yes, I would say that spending time with Jesus um, fills us with the fruits of the Spirit, and generally, I think, we'll be a bit more chill, because, you know, we'll be, like, patient, we'll be full of peace, we'll be full of love. That's great. But also, how much better is it when we spend time with people like that? Like, they're the kind of people that you want to be around, aren't they? Because they make the world a better place. And so imagine if we were like that. And then when we were in our workplaces, our schools, our universities, our accommodation, wherever we are, it's going to be shining Jesus' light in us. And it's going to start to have a rippling effect. And we'd hope that the world is going to start to be a bit of a brighter place because of Jesus in us. Jesus has, uh, we've been reconciled to Jesus because of who Jesus is and because of what he's done and continues to do. But he also invites us to live in that um, righteousness and in that task of reconciliation to the rest of the world. In 2 Corinthians 5, um, verses 18 to 20, um, it says, all of this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sin against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. And we, that's us in this room, us listening at home, anyone you know who's a Christian, anyone you don't know who's a Christian, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So we know that we want to be reconciled to God, but we also know that part of that means that we are God's ambassadors to the world. We can't see Jesus most of the time, can we? We can feel him often through uh, his spirit. We may see things like miracles and gifts, but actually when people meet us, we may be the only Bible that they ever read. We are representing Christ and his light. And it's really important, therefore, that we choose to live in God's righteousness rather than in um, a righteousness that we choose. And if we don't, the consequences are often pretty catastrophic. We see that the world is in a really horrible place right now. Um, You think of pretty much any war throughout history it's bit, both sides think they're right and think the other side is wrong. Um, and sometimes those are religious wars where people are convinced they're right. Um, uh, and not just um, wars, but things like segregation, things like apartheid, political systems. Um, and then even on a small, smaller scale, um, our own personal politics can have an issue, uh, uh, cause issues. Our relationships can break down. And then if people know that we are Christian, but we're not actually living like Jesus, if anything, it's pretty off-putting, isn't it? We've all heard um, someone uh, be describing Christians as self-righteous, or maybe we've experienced people think that we're like that, and hopefully we're not like that, or we don't think of ourselves that way. But sometimes we do have to take it as a challenge and be like, okay, God, actually, where have I failed here? Where have I acted in my, uh, to be righteous in my own eyes 
rather than righteous like you. But how do we know what righteousness looks like? Well, one, obviously, the person of Jesus. Be reading your Bibles, read the Gospels, look at what Jesus did. But a really um, great, snappy way of doing it is looking at the Sermon of the Mount in Matthew 5, um, which is actually 5, 6, and 7, sorry. It's not just the Beatitudes. But if we do look at the Beatitudes um, uh, in verses 7 and 9, it says things like, Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the peacemakers. This is the kind of uh, attitude that we want to inhabit. These are the kind of actions we want to inhabit. These things are Jesus' manifesto for how to be righteous. Jesus lived this way, and he doesn't ask us to do anything that he didn't already go through himself and hasn't already made it possible for us to live like through spending time with him because then we become formed like him and then we're more likely to do the kind of things he did and to be like him. We need to be intentional about this. We need to be intentional about um, being filled with Jesus, doing things like coming to church, worshipping him, worshipping him in our everyday, in our work, when we're doing the dishwasher, even if we do it wrong. Um, <laughs> it's the attitude behind it that counts. Um, <laughs> uh, we need to be uh, doing it, you know, when we're on our, on our walk. But it's also about how we follow that up. It's not enough to just spend time with him. We need to live it out. We need to be living in God's righteousness, not just our own. And as a result, we may find that when it comes to tricky decisions in life, whether that's big picture stuff or smaller things, we're more likely to rely on God. And we're more likely to make godly decisions because we're looking to him rather than our own understanding or even the understanding of people that we just like and happen to agree with most of the time. Uh, I would love it if you are able um, for us to just stand up together for a minute. Um, and if you would just close your eyes. And I want you to imagine a perfect world. A world where there is no suffering where there's no greed, where there's no division. And I want us to thank God that that's exactly what he wants and plans to do. And we're going to take some time to repent and confess the times where we haven't contributed to a world like that. Where we've chosen to be self-righteous rather than live in God's righteousness. The times where we've tried to be zealous for God, but actually done that in such a way that all we've done is cause pain and suffering rather than spreading God's love. And now we thank Jesus that we are forgiven.
let us make a commitment to live in that forgiveness. And let's take up that mantle to be ambassadors for Christ, to be ambassadors of God's righteousness, not our own. You might want to um, make a physical posture as a sign of that. You might want to put your hands out in front of you just as um, a sign of openness to uh, what God might be saying to you, what he might be about to say to you. Maybe he's going to give you some dreams, some visions about what he wants you to do next. About how you can live in that righteousness. while we spend time thanking God for who he is and declaring that righteousness for ourselves, the band are going to be singing over us. They're going to be reminding us again who Jesus is. So Jesus, we just ask again afresh, fill us. Fill us with your love. Fill us with your spirit. Fill us with your righteousness. Help us to be people who are on fire for you. But may that fire bring light and life, not destruction. Let us us embody your righteousness, not our own. And let us help reconcile the world to you, God. And let us be reconciled with one another. With other Christians. With other people who aren't Christian. And Lord, we ask that there would be peace. Lord, we we ask for an end to the suffering and the pain that happens when we choose to live our way instead of your way. We ask that you would change that and that you would bring peace, God. Jesus' mighty name. Amen.